Hi, this is Brian Donahue. I'm the planner and lead pastor at Pursuit Friends Church. We're really excited and humbled that you've chosen to spend some time with us this week. We here at Pursuit Friends are committed to pursuing God with abandon and passion. We'd love for you to be a part of our Sunday morning gathering as we worship, hear the message from God's Word, and fellowship. We've got a great community that the whole family can feel a part of something special and authentic. I'll talk more about that at the end of our message this week, though. I hope you've come hungry for the Word, that you're at a place in your heart to receive a challenging and life-giving Word from the Lord today. Let's dive in together. Uh, the Bible's exciting, amen? Um, there are parts of it that is hard to read through for sure, like naming of names and generations and genealogies and um, sometimes reading through back through the books of the law and, and all of that stuff can become pretty hard to get through. Um, but this is the most alive, exciting, vital book on the planet that's ever been written. And it's good that it is because it was written by the Holy Spirit. It was inspired to men to write these 66 different books. And um, I just have been in awe of that work this week. Because we're going to read in Acts 2 what is really the culmination of a huge part of God's work throughout time leading up to this point. This is, this is every bit as important and historically um, when it comes to the church, okay, when it comes to the church as Jesus's death and resurrection. Because if Jesus doesn't do those two things and in, 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 in essence leave and ascend up into heaven, the Holy Spirit doesn't come. And we've said it many times before. I've said it, you know, Jesus said this crazy thing, greater things will you do than I have done. And the disciples looked at that and heard that and said, what are you talking about? How can that be? But it's because of the Holy Spirit. And so it's really important that we understand the Holy Spirit's role in our lives as Christians in, in the work and as being part of God's work throughout history. And it's really important to state that the Holy Spirit does not just arrive on the scene at Pentecost. It's not like God the Father existed at creation, was alone, and then Jesus came, and that was an extra part of the Godhead. He was fully God, all that stuff. And then the Holy Spirit came. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed as one. And so what we see is just, just how the Godhead chooses to reveal himself into the church and upon the earth. The chapter of Acts essentially has three defining parts. The first part of it we see is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The second part is Peter's speech proclaiming that Jesus is Christ. And then the third is the reaction to the speech by the 3,000. 
So it can be kind of divided up and studied in those three different sections and understood um, that way. And this speech that Peter gives in this, in this chapter is, is one of the most important speeches in all of the Bible. It is that epic. It is that important to how we think about Jesus even today as believers because he sets the stage here. It's considered to be by, by most theologians, the very first missionary speech or sermon and is one of the most significant because of its detailed explanatory use of the Old Testament. And it's blending that with the gospel message for the sole purpose of proclaiming Christ as Lord. This is huge. This is really big. This is an incredibly important moment um, after the Holy Spirit has fallen. There's, it's two huge events in the Bible that we need to make sure we understand and focus on. It's not just a cute little thing that Peter does here. This is a major thing. It sets the stage for the early church. Remember, Jesus told Peter what? Upon you, I will build my church. So this is the foundation block right here. What Peter does is important for how the church proceeds in the future. And it's an important witness to how the early church thought about Christ. Let's read it. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Uh, Another version I read this week on the very opening, because it's important, says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one accord. I like that. That's important. They were in one accord all together. Suddenly a sound came. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And it goes on, it lists different people groups there. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Excuse me. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. And in verse 14, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, and, and Peter is, as he's saying, quoting Old Testament scripture. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. 
smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Peter resumes by saying, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as yourselves, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. This is Peter saying this, remember. This is Peter, the guy who, you know, said this, is saying this to people. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, Old Testament, revered King David. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Peter says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now hear, see, and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Therefore, let Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message, accepted his message were baptized and about 3000 were added to their numbers that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is exciting stuff. Can you imagine what it was like to be a part of such a move of God in those early days? 
we see the day of Pentecost and the disciples and, and the 120 are gathered up in the upper room in one accord. And a unique part of this story, too. Last week I talked about the uniqueness of the gospel message going out in that day and age because the Roman Empire had built roads and roads unlike any other thing before it. And so, it was, so we saw missionary work begin to be unleashed throughout the world. It's important to know that it, it, this time, in, as God poured out, as Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit over his disciples, was perfect timing when it comes to this day of Pentecost. Because there were thousands of extra people in the city. And notice from all different places and tongues and tribes. And so these people received the Holy Spirit and received salvation and then went back and the gospel grew. Then it happens. The Holy Spirit falls upon them as they prayed. Craig Groeschel, who's the pastor of Life Church, um, you may have heard of him. He's, he's got the largest church in America, I guess, because of it. it's online. It's got a huge online following. He's got a book that he wrote years ago called It. And it's only about that thick, but it really influenced my life. And it is the story of him starting his church and how it grew and how it influenced them. And it is the Holy Spirit. So all through the book, it talks about, he talks about um, how they had it. When they did this, it was there, or it led them, or, you know, all, those, all the different variables of when you're building something. And when they didn't, when they tried something and they looked back on it and it failed miserably, there were times when they said, you know what? It wasn't with us. That was our flesh. That part of that was our flesh. There were times when they tried stuff and struggled and failed, and it wasn't because it wasn't there. It was because they had to learn stuff. It was still there. The Holy Spirit was still there. But there's good things that happen when you struggle and learn and fail. So it happens. The Holy Spirit comes. Luke describes the coming of the Holy Spirit as a sound from heaven, as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the entire place. Isn't that interesting language? It filled the entire place. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. We typically tend to think of the Holy Spirit as filling us as individuals but rarely give thought to the fact that the Holy Spirit is so much fully God as part of the Godhead that he is not contained simply in the hearts of his followers. I believe that we can experience the manifestation of the Spirit in a very personal way where there's direction given, conviction pressed upon our hearts for sin, inspiration, but we can also experience the Holy Spirit tangibly as we gather for worship. In other words, the Spirit can fill us so much as we worship and pray that the Spirit actually fills the entire room. This is what we see at Pentecost. It, 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 he doesn't make that statement 
It's not just a, yeah, it filled the entire room. I've been a part of a church, uh, many different churches, uh, um, but this one particular church, um, we were going through a time of great growth and the word, there were two different worship teams from two different churches that had to come together and somehow make it work. And there was a lot of competition at first and not sure about the other team. And, you know, cause they did their thing on Friday night. We did ours on Sunday and, um, the Lord just began to lay in my heart like this, this competition is good as far as your growth as musicians, cause you're working really hard to try to be as good as you possibly can. But you, you there's gotta be unity here cause you're one church. And so we began, I began to insist that we do stuff more together and figure that out. And I began inviting their folks to Sunday mornings. And as that was happening and that worship leader um, said, wow, this is great. And started inviting our folks to Friday night. And God did this really amazing work of unity within this worship ministry. And we, as we began to fellowship together and love on each other and just grow like we would support each other, I'd show up on Friday nights and cheer them on. And it was in vice versa. And we just experienced several weeks of great unity as a worship ministry. And then this one Sunday approached and we had a guest speaker from out of town and, uh, the worship team was just on fire. I mean, we, we had experienced God's presence fall very heavily in our worship practice uh, that midweek. And Sunday came around and we had a full, full room and about 40 foot high ceilings in this place. It's just one big, massive box um, and with huge windows all, all the way around. And um, man, the spirit of God just fell heavily upon us really powerfully. And it, it was so powerful that I tried to end a song with the worship team three times, but the church wouldn't let us end. They kept singing. We would literally stop playing and the people just kept singing the chorus. They didn't want to stop, which by the way, should be every worship leader's dream that the church wants to keep going when you stop. That they get, that they just catch the spirit and the fire of God, and they just they have a hunger for more, and they keep going, and they start to lead. And this happened to us several times, and I'm like, oh, let's go. So okay, let's go. The band would pick it back up, you know, and it'd surge again, and it was great, you know. And they'd try to end it again, and they were like, no, how great is our God, you know? Um, and just kept going. It just kept going. And before I knew it, we were about 15 minutes over our 45 minute limit for worship. We did church about two hours, our 45 minutes then. And so we got just under half of that time to do worship. And uh, so I look over at the pastor and he's like, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, this is my dream. Yes, let's keep going. We get to do this longer. What? You know? And it was, it literally felt, the only way I can describe this encounter with the Holy Spirit was it felt like we were in this massive wave pool that the wave goes both ways. 
And it felt like the Holy Spirit was just filling us up, filling us up. And then almost like we th thought it would be over, but the wave was just over there. And then it'd come and, almost, and kind of splash us again on stage. And we'd go, okay, we're going again. You know, it felt like that. It felt like the Holy Spirit was just was just there like like an ocean in us and we were just riding the waves and it was he was in control and we had this guest speaker from Colorado that had flown there and was ready to give us a pretty dynamic sermon I guess and uh he's over there on his hands and feet on his hands and feet on his that's something he's he's bent over like this uh but uh, he's he's uh he's on his uh uh, uh knees I can't, I'm so, I'm just getting hyped about this story. And he's crying and he's pouring out and people are just coming to the altar without any altar call being given. And they're just getting stuck. At one point in time, I just told the, I had about three gals singing behind us, so like, just keep it going. I'm going, I went down and prayed and I was praying over people. And I'd never done that up until that time as a worship leader, because I like being behind a microphone. So, you know, the Holy Spirit was moving when I stepped out from behind the microphone <laughs> and uh, it was just this amazing time. I remember one time the pastor came up to me, too, and he actually said this is after it was like a song or two after he had done this already to me. He whispered in my ear. He says, if you stop this, I will fire you. So you keep going until God tells you to stop. That's also a worship leader's dream to hear a pastor, <laughs> not the firing part, but the, you know, you, you keep going until God tells you to stop. That's rare. That is a rare thing as far as I've encountered. And so finally it calms down and, and just the Holy Spirit was doing the work and it just felt like the Holy Spirit wasn't just in our hearts. It wasn't just like this personal Oh, it felt good for me. You know, the Holy Spirit's just for me. You know, it was he was everywhere showing us his greatness and his power. And the Holy Spirit was doing the work as people came forward. People came forward and got healed. People came forward and repented of sin. People came forward and accepted Jesus into their heart, all because of the singular work of the Holy Spirit. Not because a single pastor or person got up and said anything. And so finally, this guy gets the opportunity to stand up. He's got like less than five minutes, which we're ready to go. We're, we're all, everybody's ready to hear what we'll stay another two hours. But he says something that really impacted me and, and helped, frankly, to form my beliefs in how I respond to the spirit and he said nothing I could ever prepare was going to be more powerful than what the Holy Spirit did here today on his own and he said to our church I'm not going to ruin this by my own agenda and he prayed for us and he got off the stage We need to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to be loosed in us and through us. And I believe that when we go out into our neighborhoods, we can take the Holy Spirit with us. And we can go into our neighbor's homes. We can go into our kids' classrooms, our own classrooms. We can go to work. 
And guess what can fill that place? The Holy Spirit. Back to verse 5. People from different nations that were gathered in Jerusalem heard the sound and came together to investigate. Do people hear your sound? And do they come to investigate? This really impacted me this week. The Spirit laid that on my heart because they heard a sound and they came to investigate. And it's like God said, Brian, is your sound loud enough that the people around you go, what is that? Why does he live that way? Why does he talk that way? Why does he, why does he have joy in the midst of any circumstance? Why, you know, is, why does he talk about Jesus so much? Or why is, you know, it's a little weird even, you know, like, do people hear your sound? In the way you live, in the way you talk, the way you react and interact, and do they investigate it? They were confused and astounded at the fact that these Galileans, and it's not just because they were Galileans, the assumption is that they were a very a largely uneducated group that they were speaking in their own languages. And this is a part of the miracle of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. These uneducated Galileans should not have been able to speak about Jesus in these other people's native tongues. It's this miraculous. It's important to notice as well the purpose of the tongues. Last week I said that we can only experience the work of the Spirit if we open ourselves up to the power and purpose of the Spirit. One of the express reasons for the Spirit to be released upon the earth at this point in history is to aid the spreading of the gospel. And this group of disciples were not just babbling on and on for their own edification. They were speaking in tongues, in this case in other actual languages, for the sake of spreading the gospel and more specifically to proclaim Jesus as Christ. There's a link here between the outpouring of the Spirit and what God needed to have happen through the work of the Spirit. We see that there's a, or I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself, that there's what's called an evangelistic enablement thing in theology in, that theologians use happening here so that each person can hear about God's work in their own language. This is pretty remarkable, right? This one-step form of tongues is pretty significant in its impact upon the early church in this initial push with the gospel. We see that there is a distribution of these tongues described as fire settling upon everyone's head. And I love this and, and kind of what I pulled from this in my, as I just thought about it, because it says everyone, this, this fire of tongues sat upon everyone's head. And it's this, and there's, there's, it was very interesting reading um, my big thick books from my college days about acts and about the, sometimes, you know, there's this just, 
quote after quote of books that I'll probably never read of original manuscripts. And this theologian a thousand years ago said this, you know, and, and all this, it was just very interesting to read about the metaphors um, that Luke is, Luke is using here. And then some theologians say it was actual fire. Others say, no, it was just, it's what the Lord allowed them to see through the spirit. Um, and, but nevertheless, what, what I pulled from this this week is that it fell on everyone in that upper room. Every single person. Christianity is not an elitist religion or movement. The Holy Spirit is available to anyone who follows Jesus Christ in authentic surrender and with their whole life. This isn't something where only a select few get to have this kind of access to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's available to everyone who believes. Then Peter in verse 14 stands up. If I was making a movie about this moment, this would be um, lots of drums building up to Peter as the crowd is gathering around and Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and he stands up, whatever that looks like, probably high enough so people can see him. And it would have been, there'd be a moment of just sweeping magnitude as the camera pans of the crowd and then back to Peter. And as he stands up, you know, as he is stepping into something new. Because remember, this is Peter. Peter stands up. The Peter who denied Christ, the once coward, stands up fully forgiven, fully restored and anointed, and begins to give one of the greatest speeches concerning the work of God upon the earth we have to this day. It's the Holy Spirit. He boldly describes the work of God, eloquently quoting Old Testament scripture, passionately declaring Christ as the Messiah. The Holy Spirit emboldened Peter in this moment to do something he was incapable of doing a few short weeks before as he hid in cowardice and fear as Jesus hung on the cross. Part of the work and purpose of the Holy Spirit is to embolden us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to enable us to actually fulfill the Great Commission. The Holy Spirit is not just here to make us feel good. Actually, one of the first works of the Spirit is to convict us of sin, to show us who we really are, and then, thankfully, to help us change, right? But one thing we overlook, and, and I just, just being real, there's a lot of Christians that do not rely on the Holy Spirit when it comes to the Great Commission. We just hide just like Peter did. Jesus hung on the cross and rose again, and it's like that's not important. We just, ah, I'm not good at, you know? And we don't allow the Holy Spirit to enable us to fulfill the Great Commission. We cannot be the hands and feet of Christ apart from the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. We cannot be the hands and feet of Christ apart from the Holy Spirit. 
Too many people try to separate the work of Christ from the work of the Spirit, and they are missing out on a whole new level of spiritual power and anointing in their lives to live as true overcomers, as different makers, difference makers, and world changers. There are Christians who are actually terrified of the Holy Spirit. I know some. I've talked with them. I've argued with them. I've tried to convince them. I've tried to, you know terrified of the Holy Spirit. They see this outpouring in Acts and, and want to somehow contain it as if, it's, as if this outpouring was only intended for the early church. And that is a shame. Uh, Pastor Sabri from Albania commented on one of our Facebook posts concerning our study on Acts. Um, and he said, Acts is for now, for today. Emphatically, I could just see him. It's for today. There's still power we can receive from the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone around us. Some Christians reject the Spirit because one of the primary works of the Spirit is to also convict us of the sin in our lives. Fear is the most prominent reason that Christians reject the work of the Spirit in their lives today, though. It's fear. It's, it's, it all comes down to fear. We don't really want to surrender anything of great significance to the Father. We're terrified to tell people about Jesus. I get it, but I don't get it, you know? And we say ridiculous things that prove we don't have the Spirit inside of us, or at least we're not allowing the Spirit to breathe and move and have its way. We say things like, I'm not gifted at speaking to others, so it's the pastor's job to tell others about Jesus. I just let the pastor do it. I invite people to church, and then I'll let the pastor... Mm -hmm. Mm. And even to a degree, I think, I, I think that we make too many excuses in, in America's culture. I know people that, um, first of all, it's frustrating because they say, well, I don't know. I don't feel like I know enough of the Bible. And they've been saved for 20 years. I don't know if the Bible, I don't, I'm afraid I can't, I'm not going to answer this question or that question. Da, 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 da. One of my responses typically will then read your Bible more and study more. And, you, you know, you don't have to quote chapter and verse, just love people and serve people and live in such a way and give yourself opportunities that to be led of the spirit. And in those moments, I believe that if there is a passage of scripture that that person needs to hear, you'll either recall it and be able to say it, even if you can't quote chapter and verse, and it'll still have power because it's the word of God or the spirit will fill you with the right things to say and how to pray over that in that situation. And then sometimes um, I think we make too big a deal, too, about people's personalities. I'm an introvert. I, I, I have a hard time doing this. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit. There's other ways that God can use you. 
You know, we just use it as excuses. I mean, people are dying in the Middle East for this gospel message. Hundreds and thousands of people every day are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And they're willing to die for it. And sometimes in America, we're not even willing to tithe for it. We're not willing to give up our lives. We think if we're at church for more than an hour, that's, that's a, boy, we really sacrificed a lot this week, you know. Right? Man, that guy's long-winded. Like people are willing to die. The early church was willing to die for this message. And, and, and they were so filled with the spirit that they did that wholeheartedly. They found actual joy in it. And they did it wholeheartedly. If our mentality is to hide in fear and we're not letting the Holy Spirit, I, I would say to you, what Bible are you reading? Because part of the Spirit's great work is its power to enable believers to push the gospel throughout the earth. The Spirit's job is not to make you feel good about your sin and feel complacent with that when you go to a worship service. It's not His job to make you feel good about your life. It's His job to convict of sin and empower you to overcome it. Also to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So if there's one thing I, I would like you to hold on to today, it's that part of the Spirit's work is to help you talk about Jesus. Because without the Spirit, this early church doesn't really grow. It doesn't really move throughout the earth. But the Holy Spirit empowered them to talk about Jesus in such a way. It empowered Peter to stand up in front of thousands of people and overcome everything. And risk it all. After Peter gives this incredible speech, it says that 3,000 people believed and were added to their numbers. Luke also says that they continued to learn and to preach and engage in regular fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayer. This is a really cool glimpse into the social life of the early church. They recognized that they needed each other. We need each other today. Amen. Just on a side note, if I hear one more Christian in my life say that they're dreaming of a day when they can move to a house where they don't see anybody else, they don't have to look or talk to their neighbors, I want, I'm going to puke. I've had Christians say, I just, I'm not a people person. Okay, I get that about your personality. You're shy. Maybe you're gruff and rough and you don't always say the right things and you put your foot in your mouth a lot. And you get frustrated by people. I get all that. But like you're also supposed to love. And you're also bound by the Great Commission. To tell as many people as you possibly can who Jesus is. I get the desire for privacy and escape. Trust me. As Devin and I were looking for our house before we're in the ones we're in here, we, we bought a duplex when we moved back to Ohio and it was great. That's been a great blessing to us and one of the best decisions we've made financially in our marriage. Both our kids came home in that little, I mean, it was a three bedroom, but it had a living room about the size of this right here. And um, we have a lot of great memories in that place and it's provided for us. Um, but, you know, like I said, brought our two kids home. 
to there. That was why I cried the day we moved out, was just remembering bringing Peyton and Brody both home and sitting on our front porch and asking our neighbor to take our picture. And, you know, those late nights with the kids as they're teeny weeny babies and um, just great memories. But as we were looking, it was in a neighborhood with duplexes and other houses. And, um, and it was a great neighborhood. Our neighbors were fantastic. Um, and to this day, when I go mow during the summer, they're, you know, if they're out, they'll wave or come over to talk or something. But uh, as we were looking for a new house, one of our things was we'd like a little more privacy than what we had in this neighborhood. And so we were looking, we looked at a bunch of different places. And, oh, if we could, my, my dream was, could we just be next to woods so that when I have to do leaves, I can just blow it all into the woods and not take it off or pay somebody to come pick it up at the street, you know, just blow it all towards the woods. And uh, so we got some of that in our back, but it's like, it's like way back there. So it's like impossible to blow it all. Um, so I think the Lord has a sense of humor. Um, but one thing Devin and I talked about was, yeah, we'd like a little more privacy, but we want to be able to see our neighbors and we want them to see us. Because we really have this heart for our neighborhood that we actually know our neighbors by name. And so when we moved there and we'd go out on walks and if someone would notice, see that we were new or, you know, whatever, that we would, you know, introduce ourselves and we try to remember their names and we go home and write them down right away in which house they lived in. And then we would, as we're out and about, we're like, okay, like when we small talk, we got to remember things they say too, you know? Like if Jack down the street says, hey, my wife is sick today, you know, next time I see him, Jack, how's your wife doing, man? You know, like we've made it a real, like a real intense effort that we know all of our neighbors. We know most of the 25 houses on our street, all their names, even if we don't have long conversations with them, we know all their names and can say who, hey, how's it going? You know, Ken, how you doing, Liz? You know, as they're walking by, taking walks or whatever, you know, and have conversations. We need to know people. And we need to tell as many people as possible about Jesus. When we live lives that are generous and open and honest about who we are as Christ followers, the world around us will take notice. They will hear our sound and investigate. And look at the last part of verse 47. In the Lord, you should underline Lord highlight it, circle it, write a box around it, however you emphasize words in your Bible. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that we grow. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. The difference maker is the Holy Spirit. Lots of churches, and I say this with all the love and respect for the body of Christ as I can, lots of churches do all these things. They, they have fellowship times. They have potluck dinners or meals. They have Sunday school classes. They have worship. They have teaching, right? They serve the community. Lots of churches do these things, but they haven't been added to in a long time. And I'm not talking about attenders. I'm talking about new believers. 
be really honest with you, it, it'd be great if this room filled up in the near future. But I'm going to get frustrated if we fill up and nobody's getting saved. It'll be great. And I'm not talking about people have to get saved in this building. It's actually, I get more excited if they're getting saved because you're talking to your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers. If you're leaving this place and, and we've got 100, 200 people in here that every week are going out fulfilling the Great Commission. I get excited about a crowded room, but I'm gonna get way more excited if this crowded room goes out filled with the Holy Spirit and makes a sound worthy of investigation. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us to do this thing. Guys, as Pursuit Friends Church, Pursuit Friends Church has to be led and filled by the Holy Spirit or else everything we struggle with, everything we work towards, just be another average church. I don't want to be an average church. That's not why I started this. I want to be like this. I want to make a mighty sound. Father God, would you enable us <laughs> to be people who make a lot of noise? I'm so sick and tired of average. And I believe these people are here too, Lord God. That's why they're here. We want more, oh God. Ah, oh, this is a holy moment. Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us today. Remind us daily of who you are and what your work is and what your purpose is. We're tired of acting as Peter did in cowardice as Christ was on the cross, hiding. And we say, Lord God, help us stand up now in front of the multitudes filled with the Spirit of God so that we can proclaim your name in boldness and with authority and with power. This is what we want. This is what we desire. And Father God, as we do that, as we go out from this place and we walk in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, may we not just see, see that as something inside of us that helps us overcome sin. That's important. That's, that's necessary. But Father, may your Holy Spirit give us boldness to proclaim your good news to those around us. May the seeds that we have begun 
to plant and, and to sow into other people's lives, Lord God. Right now, just I believe God is giving us names of people that we have poured into, that we have prayed over, that we have desired to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for him. Thank you, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, may this be the very year and season where your Holy Spirit is so powerful and evident in our hearts and in our lives that the sound becomes so inescapable that these people that we have sown into, that we have prayed for, that we have cried over, let this be the season, O oh God, when they would truly investigate that sound and relent to your amazing grace. And Father, fill this place. Spirit, fill this place. Every time we gather, Lord God. Father, we desire to be open to what you would have to do in our services. I will gladly set down a prepared message if we get more of you. If I need to step aside and just let you do the work, I will do that in a heartbeat. And so, Father, fill us. May you rush in. May you give us all that we need to stand boldly and proclaim your message and your gospel and your love to those around us. And Father, let that be felt by everyone in our church, especially the kids. Would they have power to go to their schools and just do their best and be the best students they can be and love everybody and serve everybody and be a friend to everybody, to be peacemakers. May you even give them opportunities to talk about Jesus. May we see salvation even come through the testimony of our youngest children. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in us. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that you've been encouraged and empowered to live out the gospel wherever you go this week. I'd also like to encourage you to be in God's Word every day. Because as great as I think this podcast is, it's not enough nourishment to get you through the week. Make your faith and relationship with Jesus personal. And the best way to do that is to be in His Word daily. If you don't have a church home, I'd like to invite you to check out Pursuit Friends Church. We'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. You can find out more about us at PursuitFriends.org. I hope you have a great week as you pursue God with abandon and passion.